What's happening, family, and happy holidays. We now have both Hanukkah and Christmas in books. First day of Kwanzaa for those who celebrate. So hopefully everyone has had good times getting to fellowship with family. That is the wonderful thing about the holidays. They do provide that time to gather and enjoy each other's company. And that brings us to today's topic because more and more as we get to the holidays, whether it is uh, the Thanksgiving break or the December holidays, I am getting to the age where I am seeing both in my family and in families of my friends that you get to the holidays and you have to remember and celebrate those who have transitioned. And so that is quite the shock and change for families to have to deal with. The other thing that I'm aware of, especially with now a junior in high school, is that my time where everyone is under the roof for the holidays is quickly coming to an end. And I've watched families who have launched children out of the house into college and adulthood um, and have become empty nesters. I've watched how they navigate the holidays and everybody coming back together. So that is what we are going to get into a little bit today on this episode. Uh, brought back my friend and colleague, Janine Jones, to talk about that as a recent bird launcher. They used to call them empty nesters. I like the term bird launchers a little better because again, it, it signifies that even though the birds are leaving the nest, there is opportunity for them to return. And that is something that I enjoy seeing during the holidays. I get to see, for example, as someone who works in a school, kids coming back for winter you know, sporting events and alumni events that are held and just getting to check in and see how much they enjoy being home after being away in a new environment for some time. So coming up, we've got a couple things to think about as we close out 2023, and then we will get into uh, my chat with Janine, and then that'll be it. We'll be right back. Taking Notes with Dr. John Carroll is powered by Bixie Pots, makers of high-quality shea butter that keeps the body moisturized for the whole day. Visit BixiePots.com today. Okay, so as we come to the end of 2023 and look ahead to 2024, it's that time of year where you reflect and remember how quickly the year has gone by and you start to make plans for the new year because you know if you plan a little better, maybe things get done and things don't slip by. And so in that spirit, I have three goals that I've come up with uh, as we move into 2024 that I want to keep forefront in my mind as an educator because I believe 2024 in America is going to continue to be an inflection point for the country. I really do 
believe that everything that surrounds the 2024 presidential election is going to make for history that we will look back upon and continue to analyze all of the events, whether it is the Supreme Court decisions that are coming, the nature of the candidates that were running and everything that had to do uh, with their campaigns, the continued fallout from uh, the January 6th insurrection, how that has played a part. All of these things will be important in 2024. And I just want to make sure that as an educator, I am doing things that are more geared towards unity versus division. So with that said, number one goal is to help students in particular continue to think about who they are and their identity. There are many identities, I should say, and how they intermingle and intersect. I think the more that you provide students the opportunity to think about who they are and engage in education geared towards not only who they are, but how they interact and connect with others, the better off we all are. So to the degree that I'm able to provide information, create experiences for students to think about who they are and experience others and experiences outside of their normal bubble, the better off they will all be. Number two is to think about professional development for myself that will continue to grow my toolbox, both of information and skills in working not only with students, but my colleagues. I tend to like to engage in professional development that's immersive. So I don't enjoy conferences as much as I enjoy going to different environments, school environments in particular, and seeing how things are done. So I will continue to try to do that in 2024 and really just gather new and fresh ideas and not be stagnant in the ways that I think school should go or has to go. I also want to take more time to read. It's so easy to get caught up in just the TV cycle and the social media cycle. I don't want to forget about how important it is to read well-researched books and primary source information because they are all very helpful. Finally, I want to make sure that I lean in into real respectful conversations with people that allow for understanding. Again, with all that is going to take place in 2024 in this country, it will be very easy to just say and line up on a side. I'm on this side, you're on that side, therefore we cannot coexist. There will be a lot of that, I believe, in 2024, and I do not believe in that. I think that will weaken our country and potentially even our world. So I certainly have the goal of being someone who leans into difficult conversations, but with love and respect at heart, be able to gain understanding from those conversations for the goal of keeping people unified and connected. So those are my three goals. I hope that they spur some motivation for anybody listening to think about how they will move into 2024 and we will see how it all plays out. My interview 
with my buddy Janine Jones coming up next. Okay, so we are back to the top of the batting order in terms of our guests in the dean's office. So it made sense to me to start back with Miss Janine Jones as I think about what it's like for empty nesters during the holidays who are in many cases welcoming home their loved ones who they've sent away from the nest. I learned a new term in this last cycle of graduates that shouldn't consider them empty nesters, but bird launchers which is wonderful because that means the birds can come back. So we welcome back Miss V. Janine Jones into the Dean's office on Take Notes. How are you as the holidays approach, Miss Jones? I am doing fabulously well because I have a full house again. So things are happy and normal. Excellent, lovely to hear. And so I wanna start there. What was the biggest change for you to go from a house where, you know, your lovely daughters went to the place where you work. So to be so, you know, ingrained in their daily lives to then nothing in terms of having students in the house. Yeah, it's just a massive change um, to everything, every aspect of your life. They both went to school where my husband and I work, so we would see them on a daily basis, both at home and at school. And we just had, we had knowledge of every aspect of their lives, like what time they woke up, what they were eating, what they were working on in school, who their friends were, to what time they went to bed every night, how much time they were spending on homework, how much time they were spending on their phones, just every aspect of our lives were in just our daily orbit, even though we don't think of ourselves. And I don't think our girls would even say that we were helicopter parents. We weren't parents who were involved in every single aspect, but because we worked at the school, we're a pretty close-knit family. It just was in the daily life to go from that to, and of course, Taylor, our oldest, left in 2018, so we had some preparation for that, but we still had Avery home. And so when we dropped her off, when we dropped Avery off at school this year and came back home, you know, it took a few weeks for us to really settle into this routine of there's nobody upstairs who, you know, we would hear little like we would know that they were leaving or she was leaving to go to school on the same time that Chris was leaving nor did we have anybody home from work um and so it was a difficult culture and I will say better than I thought it was going to be I stressed about it mightily for an entire year um before she left and was just trying to soak in every single moment that we could have with her, but um, it was it was lonely, but it was it ultimately good. Well, that's great to hear. And then when it comes to them being away, and let's you know focus on Avery because she is now the one in school. What is your approach? What has been your approach to you know trying to keep up with college life? And in the case of Avery, as a student athlete, you know, it's a great question because there's always the idea of what's the appropriate boundary. 
when you have an 18-year-old who is a freshman in college and should be doing everything on their own. And I'm reminded by, I think it's Julie Lithcott Haynes' book, How to Raise an Adult. And so she was a former dean at Stanford University, a dean of students, I think, and was talking about how involved parents were more so now than they had ever been in their child's life. And so, like I said, we, we don't consider ourselves to be helicopter parents. And so we didn't want to turn into helicopter parents, but because it's just such a stark contrast from what we had experienced from grades seven through 12, working at the school where um, Avery was a student, just really figuring out that right balance of, you know, asking appropriate questions and, having a sense for her classes and her friends and her teammates and just asking those questions, but not being directly involved in that. And so, especially for me, because I got to know Avery's friends really well while she was at Harvard Westlake, both on her school team um, or like both in school on the team and also her club teams to going to a place where I really don't know them like I don't have an independent relationship with her friends was very different and so we also wanted her to transition and not feel like she needed to call us every single day um so just asking questions but trying not to be too intrusive and allowing her to share what she wanted to share with us um and then of course being an athlete we went out three times after we dropped her off to New York City, which we didn't do that with Taylor, of course, because she wasn't in a sport where we would go and watch her play. Um, and also trying not to, she's a freshman playing Division One sports, you know, trying not to stress her out about how the team is doing or her stat, status on the team and things like that. And so she, I think I probably shared this with you during the year, but we would FaceTime with her a lot. And so, you know, of course, with the three hour time difference, she would call us around midnight, about 9 p.m. our time. But what if she wanted to hang out with her friends and not call us? And time from her. And so she told us probably in mid-October, you know, I think I'm good. I'm, I'm not homesick. I don't feel like I really need to FaceTime y'all all the time. And so she just declared this and I laughed because I was like, oh, you thought this FaceTiming was for you, right? Like this FaceTiming was for me. I wanted to talk to you. This wasn't about your transition to college. This was about us being bird launchers. Um, and so, but I felt really happy about that. I felt happy that she was settled in about a hundred blocks south of her in the city. So felt like she could get to her by a quick subway ride and had developed really strong relationships with her teammates, one freshman in particular, a couple of upperclassmen in particular, and her coach. Her coaches just seemed like really nice people, which was um, a, a nice um, thing to have where we just think they really care about their students um, and their student athletes. So it was, it was a nice transition. And speaking of transition, they are now home, both of them, so to celebrate the holidays. And so, again, what is the Jones approach in terms of the birds coming home to nest and, and you know, the balance of we want our family time versus, you know, they want their social time? You know, what's so fascinating is that our girls are not like other 
young people in that they're not obsessed with getting out of the house and going and hanging out with their friends. You know, I mean, they are like, I ask them, oh, sweet, are you going to go hang out with your friends? And they're, they have really solid friendships that rise and fall with having to be with each other all the time. And it's funny because that's how, that's how Chris's friendships are. That's how my friendships are. And so they will see their friends and they will hang out with them. But Taylor has had the same high school friends since ninth grade. Um, and we hung out with them with, and, and their families. So we as a family hung out with their families. And so there's a group of six of them. And so the with the winter solstice, two of them are Persian. And so we went over for a winter sol solstice party last week and had a great time. And her friend meeting up went on Friday night and we had plans as a family. And so she was like, well, I'll see them another day. And Avery is, we're going to go out to uh, brunch with one of her friends and her friend's mother and our friend's twin sister. So we're it's kind of built in as togetherness. And a lot of her friends are also traveling, Avery's friends. So she will hang out with them after Christmas. So we kind of get the family time in and they like to, we like to watch movies together. We like to play board games together. So we kind of, it's a combination. Um, but also I think social media makes things different or like being able to text makes things different where they've been able to stay in touch in ways that I wasn't able to stay in touch with my friends when I was in college and I came home, you know, we weren't calling each other on the phone or writing letters back then because, you know, this was before the days of the internet. So it was important for us to hang out, but she feels connected to her friends from Harvard Westlake. She, Avery, feels connected to her friends from Harvard Westlake because they have their group chats going. They have their, have their Snapchats. They're sending pictures to each other on Snapchat like five or six times a day. So it's like they, they have stayed connected even though they haven't been in person. Last question on the empty nest hood. What's been a practice or, or habit or new tradition that you and Chris have established now that you are empty nesters. I often see folks who will take up traveling or, you know, will support again, very, uh, you know, do all the traveling for basketball games or whatever the athlete is doing. What's been, what's been the Jones habit now that they are empty nesters? I will say it's probably been a few things that I can think of. of. One of them is the picking up and going to a concert or going to a play like we you know in october went to see wu-tang in vegas and that's not something that we would have before or we actually in the travel realm i will say even though it's local travel we will go out to dinner with friends more and won't feel like i said that last year of avery's senior year we felt like oh well we don't want to go out to dinner with friends because avery would be home by herself so we didn't do that as much in the last year. We have a nice loop right around our house that's like a two-mile walk. Um, and so we'll go and we'll do that. The other thing that I think is small but really important is that Chris is a night owl and I'm not. And so and Avery is a night owl too. And so during her senior year, 
they would stay up um, and I would go to bed and because I want to be in bed by 10, 1030 and be asleep. And Chris could go to bed at 1130 or midnight. And so we weren't getting into bed at the same time. And now the eight and part of Chris's thing was that he wanted to spend as much time with her as possible. He didn't want her out um, in the family room by herself. But now that she isn't here as much, um, he's coming to bed at the same time as me. And so our we've we've synced up the time that we're going to bed. And to me, that is like such a small but massive thing where he'll come back to bed and read while I'm falling asleep because I get up earlier than him. So those are kind of like the big things, traveling, um, getting to, um, and we have another concert coming up, going to Vegas, going to see uh, New Edition. So like just getting out for those, going to dinners and going to bed at the same time. And I will say going to bed, not going to sleep because he'll stay up still, but he'll be in the bed with me as I go to sleep. Important shows you still like each other halfway. We we do. I actually think we like each other full way, not even halfway. Oh, there we go. We love which we, which is which is good because we've been the entire time we've been married, we've essentially been parents because we got married in August of ninety nine and got pregnant in October of ninety nine, and so we were you know both of us were wondering like okay how is this going to be now not having being parents at the center of our daily lives and going back to that. And we thought we liked each other. I mean, we've been through COVID together, so we had to spend a lot of time together, but that's been really nice too, to re-enter this kind of new phase of the two of us and our relationship being primary and first and foremost in our daily lives, as opposed to being parents first and foremost in our daily lives. Excellent, excellent. I have to ask you one DEI question since you are the foremost DEI uh, expert uh, in all the land, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> what do you think as we go into 2024 uh, is something that's going to happen with diversity, equity, and inclusion work um, as it pertains to schools? Clearly, there's a lot going on uh, in the world. Yeah. People are calling for DEI to die and such things. It's certainly coming under attack on campuses um, based on what's happening with Israel and Palestine. So what's something, if you are looking around the corner, that you foresee happening with diversity, equity, inclusion work? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I just read an article earlier this morning about a school board in Missouri that basically do uh, remove elective courses teaching about Black Street. And with the presidential election of 2024, I fully expect that conservatives will try to put DEI on the um, agenda. And so I think there will be renewed conversations similar to what they had in or what happened in 2020 around critical race theory um, and this just fallacy that critical race theory is problematic. I think the certain presidential candidates will try to put DEI on the agenda again, and they will try to politicize the issue. And so I think there will be, it'll be difficult for DEI practitioners where we will be trying to defend the work that we are doing again, 
because of politics and not because of the work itself, but because there's a political agenda and it's an opportunity for politicians to try to gain support. And so I think DEI will be under attack because of the presidential election. There it is. We will see, you know, how true that becomes. Hopefully we will, those of us who do uh, value this work and see it as important to school communities and, and communities at large uh, will continue to uh, be steadfast and prepared to address those challenges. So Johnny Jones, I thank you as always for hopping on, say in the say midst of the holidays, and I wish you happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones, and we'll see you soon. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and your lovely family whom I adore. So please give them all a big hug from me. And it is always my pleasure to be with you. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. See you soon. Take care. Goodbye. And there goes the Janine Jones once again joining us for office hours. We'll see who needs to have a conversation in the dean's office coming up next. The Dean's Office and the Honor Roll are brought to you by the Honey Body Collection. For quality personal moisturizing products from body wash to beard oil, visit thehoneybodycollection.com today. No one in the Dean's Office this week as we head into 2024. I want to keep it positive, but I will say I continue to be concerned and disappointed in the number of incidents between school resource officers or school police and students and the levels of force that are used when trying to resolve conflicts where officers are called to the scene. We definitely need to do better with that in 2024 and beyond. On the honor roll, the great Anita Baker, someone I grew up listening to and remains as my favorite R&B soulstress. Got the opportunity to see Miss Baker in concert this past week and she still got it. She's on the honor roll because concert didn't necessarily start on time. So Miss Baker decided she was going to make up for said time even though it was costing her money as crypto.com rental went into overtime but she didn't care even at one point saying I ain't making no money tonight but she kept on entertaining the audience it is clear that she continues to enjoy connecting with and sharing her gift with the audience so the Anita Baker on the honor roll this week that brings us to the end of the final taking notes for 2023. I want to thank those who have continued to listen to and enjoy the podcast and provide me feedback, good, bad, or ugly. Look forward to reconnecting in 2024, continuing to build on what we have started here and sharing information that helps us all, particularly when it comes to education. We'll see you in 2024. 
The views expressed by John Carroll and his guest in the preceding podcast are solely that of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers, companies, or other associated parties. Just take notes.